This is Real Estate Rookie episode 358. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I am here with my co-host, Tony J. Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, motivation, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. Um, and as always, you know, we got a lot of good questions for today's Ricky Reply episode. Uh, we're going to talk about the best time to get pre-approved and I guess what a pre-approval is and why you need it. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about how to calculate the holding costs on your loan uh, and what are holding costs and you know why are they important. So we're going to talk about out-of-state investing and some tools and resources that you guys can use to become the best out-of-state real estate investor or even in-state investing. These skills are definitely transferable. And then lastly, we're going to be talking about security cameras. Tony, do you have any security cameras in uh, your rentals? Well, not in them probably, but outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have security cameras at every single property of ours. There, there isn't a single one that we have that doesn't have a security camera. Some have multiple. Um, and they've definitely saved our butts a few times, both in getting guests to leave um, uh, and making sure that the guests were staying safe. So yeah, we, we, we got a lot of stories about cameras uh, within the short-term rental business. Okay, well, when we get to that question, I want to hear at least one of them. You got a good juicy <laughs> one you could tell me of where maybe the security camera camera saved you. <laughs> okay, so let's get in to our first question. Okay, our first one is from Caleb Mervar. Best time to get pre-approved. I'm thinking that I'll be trying to purchase and house hack. I'm wondering when the right time would be to get pre-approved. Should I wait until I have my down payment? Should I not wait at all? Should my credit be above a certain score? Thanks, guys. I think the first thing he needs to do is talk to a loan officer and tell him what his current situation is. And maybe they actually have a loan product that would actually be applicable where he could go and he could apply for a loan right now. So to house hack, you know, normally you go and purchase an investment property or you get a conventional loan, it's 20% down. But there are different loan products where you could put three and a half percent down like an FHA loan, or even now there are conventional loans, um, especially for multifamily where you only have to put down 5%. So I think the biggest first step is going to talk to a lender then also asking what their credit requirements are, because sometimes you can get a pre-approved for a loan, but if you have a lower credit, you're not going to get the best interest rate that they can give you. So maybe ask them what that threshold is. And if you are close to having that, that credit score, me personally, I would uh, wait it out a little, you know, if it's a couple months, you're building up your credit to get that better interest rate on something you're probably going to be paying interest on for the next 30 years if you're getting a 30-year fixed rate loan. So Tony, uh, do you ever go or have you ever went and got pre-approved before you were actually ready to purchase a property? Yeah. So I, I mean, I think first just quickly defining what, what it means to get pre-approved. So uh, if, if you've ever applied for a mortgage before, then you know that it, it's almost like I don't know, getting a, a, the top level security clearance, like all the documents you have to provide uh, to get approved for a mortgage. So the pre-approval is a step before that. So it's just a lender taking like a, a really quick glance at your personal situation and giving you a, a pretty good ballpark on what you might be able to get approved for in terms of purchase price. Now, this isn't a final approval, right? There's still a lot of supporting documentation you have to give your lender, which when you actually find your property, you'll, you'll go through that process. Um, but this is like the first step just to give you that shot across the bow to know what you might be able to, to purchase. Now, 
gosh, I, I haven't gotten pre-approved since I don't even remember when. Maybe like, <laughs> gosh, 2020 was the last time. And I think I had to go out and get like a, a pre-approval for something. Um, so it, it, it's been a while. But I, I think for me, whenever I think about buying uh, an investment property, whether you're house hacking or, or it's a, a standalone investment property, to me, the first step is always understanding your purchasing power. Okay, understanding your purchasing power. And your purchasing power is really two things. It's the amount of capital you currently have access to, right? So how much cash do you have in the bank or how much cash can you get from a partner, a friend, whoever? And then what is your your uh, loan approval amount, right? So like if you went to a bank, what kind of loan could you get? Because if you only have one piece, it's an incomplete picture. Because say you know, okay, cool, I've got 20,000 bucks in the bank, but you don't know how much you can get approved for. You can't really go out there and start analyzing deals because you don't know if you should be looking at $200,000 homes or if you can look at $500,000 homes. So to me, I would get pre-approved early on just to at least get a gauge on, hey, where do I currently stand? And say that your pre-approval is maybe lower than you want, at least your loan officer at that point can tell you, okay, hey, I need to see X, Y, and Z. And once that happens, then we can bump your approval up to, to this higher amount. So me, you know, pre-approval, you can get that back in a day or two. Um, I'd get that early to at least give myself that foundation. And then from there, kind of make the decision on, on what properties I should be looking at. I think the last thing I would add to that is make sure that you're reaching out to more than one lender too. Mm -hmm. try your small local banks and, you know, they'll have different loan products too. And they'll also be able to advise you as to when is the best time for you to actually, you know, have your credit run based on what you're able to tell them. You can sign up for creditkarma.com and you're not going to know exactly what your credit score is, but you can monitor it that way. But also you are eligible to pull your own credit. I think it's once a year. If you actually go to, do you know the website at all, Tony? I think if you- I don't. It's like annualfreecreditreport.org or something crazy like that. Don't, yeah, don't go to that website. Sure, I don't know if that's a website. <laughs> make sure it's a, a .org or .gov though that you're going to, and it's not a .com and then you actually end up pulling your own credit and- getting an alert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to be completely honest. This happened to be one time where I, uh, it was when I only had a couple of rental properties. And I remember I went to Target and my credit card was denied. And I just like, I was so embarrassed. I was mortified. I was like, what is, what is happening? I went like, I couldn't see anything in my credit card portal. And I was like, oh my God, somebody's like taking out all in all this debt in my name and everything. And they put a stop on me using any credit. And I go and I pull my credit because I had my rental properties. So I filled out an application like I was renting one of my properties and ran credit on myself because I didn't know how else to find out what my credit was. And so I got to dig in my credit because I'm here. I am running it, you know, credit on myself just to like see like, do I have all these credit cards like maxed out on my day or whatever it was? And I can't remember the reason, but like eventually I called Chase or whatever the bank was and might have even been my debit card at the time. I don't know. but. You know, it was just something silly that it happened okay. and, oh, but it was so awful. But I, I made the mistake. Like that was the mistake that I did was running my own credit. When there are free websites, you get to, you know, you can go to the government one and get it run once a year to have it very accurate, or you can just continuously mm -hmm. monitor it on different websites too. Yeah. And a lot of banks now offer it for free too, you know, like Chase and um, Bank of America and all, a lot of those big banks give you that option. And we are going to get back after this short break from our show sponsors. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? 
Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent. T-O, retirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. But something you mentioned, Ashley, that I just want to highlight was going to multiple lenders. I think a lot of um, a lot of new investors do make the mistake of just going to one person and just taking that one person's word as like the, the gospel. But, uh, the, the more lenders you can talk to, the more exposed, like the more exposure you get to other loan products and believe it or not, you know, like most businesses, uh, different businesses have different products or different businesses specialize in different things. So if you want a house hack, I would really encourage you to work with the lender that understands and knows house hacking. And if you want to buy an Airbnb, focus on someone, a lender that really knows the Airbnb space. If you want to fix and flip, 
focus on a lender that really knows the, the kind of construction loan in the fix and flip space. So when you're talking to some of these lenders, just ask them like, hey, what percentage of your, your, you know, your last 100 loans were people buying a house hack? And if they're like, yeah, maybe one or two, then maybe look for another lender that's like, oh, dude, like 70% of what I do is all, all uh, real estate investors doing house hacks. And now you've got something that really understands that, that asset class, that niche, and can give you the best guidance to, to get you into the right loan product. I've seen so many times where people are, are in a position to get better debt, but because they didn't talk to enough people, they end up settling for debt that's more expensive that maybe wasn't the right debt for them. And it wasn't the lender like being mean or, 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 or you know, uh, trying to point them in the wrong direction. It's just some lenders only have knowledge of certain loan products. So all that to say, find a lender that knows your asset class, that understands that niche, that specializes in that, and that'll give you a better chance of getting the right loan product. Our next question is from Jaden Villa. Are the holding costs something you calculate in your loans if you use hard or private money? Or is that something that comes out of your own pocket? Well, this really depends on the lender as to what they're going to provide for you. Because some lenders, like mostly a, a conventional bank loan, is just going to say, we're only going to loan you 80% of the purchase price. And that doesn't include any holding costs to rehab it or anything like that. You could negotiate for private money and sometimes hard money lenders that will actually give you money for the rehab cost portion of it. As far as specifically allocating money towards holding costs, I've never dealt with a bank that said we're actually going to give you, you know, 90% of the purchase price, you know, another $20,000 to rehab because that's what your rehab estimate is. And then also, you know, $10,000 for the holding costs, which is basically mm -hmm. to pay back your interest to me and also pay for the utilities, the insurance, the grass cut, things like that. Um, so Tony, in, in your experience, have you ever dealt with anyone who actually covered the holding costs to you? I, I think the best bet is probably a private money lender that says you don't have to pay interest on this loan until the loan is actually due and you're just going to pay me the, the, the interest and the, the principal at once. But and you still have your utilities, insurance, things like that too. That, that, that's been our our experience. So yeah, I've never found a, a bank uh, that, that'll kind of give you money for holding costs. But like when we do our flips, we're typically using private money. And when we use private money, we raise the entire project cost, right? We, we raise the entire project cost. That's our purchase price. That's our rehab. And that does include things like holding costs, right? So our insurance payments, keeping the utilities on. We typically have a balloon payment at the end for interest. So we're not making monthly interest payments. Um, but we do roll in those minor holding costs that we do have into that private money note. So it works better when you're dealing with individuals. Um, hard money lenders, probably, maybe not. I don't know. I haven't done a lot of hard money, so I can't say for sure. Um, definitely not if you're going like a, a Bank of America or, or Wells Fargo or you know some kind of local credit union to, to, to get construction debt. They're probably going to want you to cover those holding costs out of pocket. Yeah. With the hard money lender, when I did it, and even when they gave you money for rehab, they you would have to show every single receipt. Like if you paid the contractor, if you ended up buying materials, you had submitted have to submit those to show that those were used for the rehab. You couldn't just take the $20,000 they were giving you for the rehab and spend it on whatever. You had to show proof that the money you spent. And that too was actually, I ended up paying the contractor directly and then getting reimbursed by the hard money lender just because it was not a smooth process with the hard money lender I worked with and I didn't want the contractors waiting. So always be cautious of situations like that where maybe you could have to 
put the money up front or that you are super clear with your contractor that a bank is going to be paying him directly. When I did my um, my primary residence, we did a construction loan. Every payment, we made the first payment to the contractor and then every other payment, the contractor and the bank, it was, you know, they worked it out with each other. He would submit his invoice to the, the loan officer. The loan officer would get him paid and we were completely out of that and not the middleman at all. Yeah, my my very my first two burrs, which were my first two investments, that was our setup as well, where the contractor actually already had a relationship with that local credit union. So every time he finished a milestone, he would just submit invoices directly to the credit union. They'd send someone out to, ins to, to inspect their work, and then they, re they would release the payment directly to him. So super cool for me because, A, I'm having the bank go through and like validate that he's actually doing the work. And then, B, I didn't have to worry about playing the middleman to uh, facilitate those payments. When we do private money, and this is why I love the private money, is that on the day of closing, we just get one big check from escrow that we then use to to cover everything, right? So we're, we're covering all of our holding costs, we're covering uh, all of our payments to our uh, vendors, all of our material costs. So we we get all the money upfront when we go with private money, um, and you know, as opposed to what Ashley said, where you're kind of trying to reimburse or maybe paying out of pocket first and then getting paid back, which is why I love private money so much. Um, and guys, like private money is a really yeah, I think it's more abundant than people realize. Um, you know, th there's a lot of people who have money sitting in savings accounts right now. And think about the folks that have had money in savings accounts for the last like year. They've lost a tremendous amount of value uh, on that money because inflation's been so high. Now, imagine if they had lent that money out to you at 10, 11, 12%, whatever it may be. Now they're now they're beating inflation. Right, and getting you know way more than what they're going to get if they had left it um, inside of a inside of a savings account. So, uh, for a lot of our new investors, I, I get that it may be difficult to even comprehend that there are folks out there that might just want to give you one hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars. But just you know, it's a limiting belief we got to break through. But there are people out there who have that capital that just want to give it to you. Uh, now, granted, you've got to build that relationship. You've got to show that you're worthy of that and, and kind of protect that person. Um, and But, you know, you, you go out there, you make relationships, go to local meetups, host your own meetup, uh, go to events like BPCon and network with folks and whatever you can do to, to, to meet more people that are interested in this space. Um, and then say, hey, you know, our, my friend Amy Majuri, who's been on the podcast as well, says, uh, do you want to make double digit returns back by real estate? And everyone's like, okay, yeah, that sounds interesting. Like, tell me more. Um, so just start laying those seeds uh, is what I'm saying. Okay. Our next question is from Molly Allred. Question for out-of-state investors. What tools or methods did you use to determine where to invest? We live in a ridiculously expensive area and would like to invest out-of-state in an area without such a high barrier of entry. My husband and I are both from Michigan, but I don't want to necessarily limit my search only to Michigan. We live in Colorado and are currently house hacking our primary residence with a lock off. Thank you. Well, first of all, Molly, congratulations on the house hack. Um, and let's help you find a, a market out of state. Tony, um, what are your first thoughts? Let's, let's actually start with you. How did you find your first out of state market? Which was the beautiful <laughs> Shreveport, Shreveport Freeport, Shreveport, <laughs> Louisiana. Uh, if, you know, if, if you guys are new to the Ricky podcast, my, my first investment was in Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, 
probably for like two years, <laughs> Ashley wasn't sure what the name of that city was. And at one point it was Freeport. At another point it was Treeport. Freeport um, or Treeport, I think, were the two yeah. that I thought was for so long. Yeah, so Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, yeah. it's, it's actually like the third or fourth biggest city in, in Louisiana. So it is a, a decently sized city. But um, I guess b- before I talk about how I landed on that city, I'll just say like at, at a high level, um, there are typically three motivations that people have when investing in real estate. And I, I tack on a fourth if you're doing short term, but um, there's three motivations. There's cash flow, there's appreciation, and there's tax benefits. And if you're doing vacation rentals, if you're doing Airbnbs, the fourth one would be like, hey, I want to subsidize the cost of a vacation home, right? Like just vacationing. But cash flow, appreciation, and tax benefits are the three big motivators for investing in real estate. And for you as an investor, Molly, you first, before you even think about potential cities, you've got to rank those three motivations. And if for you, maybe number one is cash flow, that's going to point you towards specific markets, right? Maybe you're going to the Midwest. Maybe you're going to to secondary and tertiary markets. If the biggest thing for you is long-term appreciation, you're going to go to different markets, right? Maybe, maybe you're coming to a place like California. Maybe you're going to a place like wherever, right? Where there's, there's a strong record of healthy appreciation. Same for tax benefits, right? If you want big tax benefits and you're, you're going to places where, um, you can do cost segregations and maybe you're buying bigger properties. So you want to rank those motivations first because there's 19,000 cities across the United States. And trying to whittle that list down just by looking at a list <laughs> is is overwhelming. So give it some some framework, give it some guardrails. Start with those three motivations. Um, I, I guess ask for you, like when when you started out, like how how did you kind of rank those three cash flow, tax benefits, appreciation? Mine was one hundred percent cash flow. I need to pay yeah. off my student loans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's yeah. all I did. That's all I used my cash flow for was to to pay off my student loans and. Um, it's definitely way more focused towards appreciation when the market was really hot 2021. I sold a lot of my high cash flowing duplexes that were in, you know, not great areas. They were kind of headache properties. Like no matter, you know, what we did, there was always something that broke in them. It was always hard to get good quality tenants in them. And so we ended up dumping those. But, um, so now I'm definitely more um, in tune with appreciation than just focusing on cash flow. And um, as as much as there are great benefits tax-wise for um, real estate investing, Dave has a, a dairy farm. So I still have part of that dairy farm on my tax return. And that shows that actually gives me way more tax advantages than real estate does. So I have to say like tax advantages is like the lowest on my, uh, on your list, my priorities because with farming, there are lots of tax advantages, uh, available with that too. And, and, you know, and, and everyone's got to rank those differently, but similar to you, like my first, when I first started, it was cash flow, right? Like I was searching for, for cash flow. Um, and for a lot of people listening, that pro, that's probably the majority of people are going to prioritize cash flow. But you have some people, maybe say you're, you're a physician or you're an attorney and you actually like the work that you do, but you're, you know, you're a high six figure income earner and you're tired of paying, you know, big tax bills. And maybe your biggest thing is uh is, is the tax benefits, right? So rank those first, Molly, and I think that'll help you dictate what cities. Once you've kind of whittled that list down a little bit, right? Like say that your big focus is cash flow. So you're probably gonna avoid certain states, certain cities, because you know you can't get great cash flow there. Now you want to start going into the actual data 
to help support it and, and narrow that list down even more. And there's two types of data that I typically look at when I'm analyzing a market. You have your quantitative data, which is hard numbers, and you have your qualitative data, which is the, the, the stuff that you can't really necessarily see on a spreadsheet, but that you get from having conversations with people. And people oftentimes make the mistake of starting with the qualitative information and never backing that up with the quantitative piece. So for example, someone says, I live in Michigan, so I'm going to invest in Michigan because that's what I know. And that's a good starting spot, but you still want to back that idea up, back, back that initial hunch up with the data to support like, hey, can I achieve my goal by investing? Like numerically, monetarily, can I achieve my goals by investing in this city? Um, so what I would do, Molly, is talk to other friends you have in the real estate investing space see where they're investing, see who's having success in certain markets in certain cities. Like, you know, like what's it, what's it called? The NASCAR where like the car in front of you, I never watched NASCAR, but I know, like, I know this analogy, like the car in front of you is like driving fast. So like they're breaking all the wind and you're behind them and you can just like shoot out around them. Shake and bake. Is that what it's called? <laughs> Shake and bake? From Talladega Nights. Shake and <laughs> bake, never baby. Seen, I've never seen Talladega Nights. Of course you haven't. <laughs> drafting. Yeah. Drafting is what it's called. <laughs> Actually, so funny side story. Um, this past Halloween, one of Sarah's best friends, we liked it. We did like a trunk or treat in my neighborhood and she showed up and she was dressed. I thought she was like Wonder Bread because like the colors that she had on. <laughs> and then her kid was uh, like in a, in a race car. And I was like, what yeah. the heck are you guys? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, we're from Talladega Nights. I'm like, I've yeah. never seen that movie. Um <laughs> But but anyway, so drafting, right? You're you're drafting a NASCAR, and you you know you're you're the, the cars in front of you that's doing all the hard work, and you can shoot out behind them. Same thing when you're choosing a market. If you know someone that's already done all the hard work of like validating the city, they've already got successful rentals in that city. Draft behind them and and kind of coast off of their hard work. So I, I like that that route of getting information from folks that are already in that market, but then still back it up by doing your own analysis. Look at the crime data. Look at the population verify. growth, look at the job industry, verify it, right? And I think when you put those two things together, Ash, the qualitative and the quantitative, that's how you get confident looking at certain markets. Yeah, Neighborhood Scout and Bright Investor, great resources to kind of compile all of that information you want to verify using websites like that instead of going and pulling all of your own data. But you're not going to get every piece of information you want, but using those two websites can really help you to um, verify the information you are getting from other investors. Mm -hmm. So Molly, if you go inside of the, the Bigger Pockets forums, or if you go to the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group, you're going to see countless new rookies who are posting about their first investment. And what I want you to do, Molly, is see where those people are investing and just shoot them a message. Say, hey, Tony, I saw that you were buying in Shreveport, Louisiana. What's your experience been? Like, are, do you plan to buy there again? And just start reaching out to different people and getting their insights. And the beautiful thing about the rookie community is that it's a given community. So when you reach out to folks, there's a good chance you're going to get a response. Um, like I, like I posted my very first deal in the bigger pockets forums when I got it and I had a bunch of people reaching out to me about it and I answered pretty much every single person's question. So there are a lot of folks who are in the community that are going to be happy to share that qualitative data with you. So I'm just challenging you, Molly, every other rookie that's listening See where other people are investing and just reach out to them, ask those questions. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. 
As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act, a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. When Bigger Pockets started podcasting, no one thought we needed a store, but then books, so many books, best-selling books, rookie books, partnership books. We needed the best real estate bookstore ever, so we chose Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch stage to the first order stage to the, did we just sell out the whole store stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling real estate books or retro clothing, Shopify's platform helps you sell everywhere, online or in person. Now, speaking of online, did you know Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better than other leading commerce platforms? And no matter how big you grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control of your business. And that's why we chose Shopify for the Bigger Pockets bookstore. So sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash bprookie, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash bprookie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash bprookie. Okay, our last question is from Akasha Mante. 
curious if anyone uses security cameras on the outside of the rentals. Did you happen to know if this is legal? I'm also guessing it to be accurate that you have to put this in the lease to notify the tenant the security cameras are on. However, not a replacement for tenants to use as renter's insurance. So Tony has already yelled at this, uh, yelled at me for this <laughs> at one Airbnb. I have it optional that they can flick a switch and it will turn the security camera on and off. And we just ask them to turn it back on before they leave. Tony, why did you tell me that I should leave it on all the time? So I'll, I'll tell you an example of a story why, why we made sure that our security cameras are on. We had a guest. So we have security cameras at the, uh, the exteriors of the properties only. Check with your, your local state, right? On like what the regulations are around security cameras, but we have them on the exteriors and you actually can put them in the interiors as well. You just can't put them in like private places, bathrooms, bedrooms, et cetera. But if like general common spaces, like the living room, you can put them in there. We don't have any interior cameras, only exterior. Um, we had a guest who messaged us and said, Hey, the hot tub area was like really slippery. Cause we have like outdoor tile. It was really slippery. When I got at the hot tub, I slipped and fell. And, you know, like my back's really hurting. I just wanted to let you know. We're like, oh, my gosh, this is kind of a, a big deal. So luckily, we have a security camera in the backyard. We can see the entire backyard. And we scrub her entire trip trying to see, like, where is someone falling getting out of the hot tub? We're like, you know, I don't know, hours of content, right? We don't see anyone slipping and falling. And then we see we see someone fall. We're like, oh, my God, there it is, right? So we, we slow it down, rewind it. And here's the scene that we see. We have an outdoor dining table next to the hot tub. Um, our guests are, you know, having a couple drinks, having a good time. And this guest is standing up with a wine glass in her hand, takes a sip, puts the glass down on the table, goes to sit down in her chair, and she misses the chair. <laughs> and that was the the slip and fall that was so dangerous because of the hot tub, right? So we 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 took a we, we took a screenshot of her falling. <laughs> we sent that to her. And it's like. Hey, we're, you know, we're super sorry, but this was the only clip we could find of anyone falling in the backyard. Like, did something else happen? And she was like, Oh, I guess that's, I, I guess that's what's happened. You know, like, like no worries. So we, we like to have the security cameras there because it, it, it gives the guest protection, but B, it also protects us in case something else goes wrong. And I'll, I'll give you one more like anecdote that, that proves why the cameras are so important for us. Um, we had a break in at one of our properties over the summer. Um, like a guest checked in. And they're like, hey, um, doesn't really look like the property was cleaned. Like there's some some white residue on the counter. Um, there's some trash and stuff that's laid around. And we're like, what the heck? Like we know that our cleaners were there. So we scrubbed the cameras and the property had been vacant for a day. So like someone checked out on like a Monday, next guest didn't check in until, until Wednesday. So there's 24 hours where no one was at the property. So we checked the cameras during that 24-hour period. Lo and behold, we see someone jump the fence they like try and slide by the cameras and they end up breaking into the lockbox and they stayed the night at the property. Oh my God. They stayed the night at the property. We had to follow a police report and let, you know, we got the guy's face. We give it to, to the local police authorities. But um, had we not had those cameras, we wouldn't have known what happened. And because this guy broke into the lockbox, like we couldn't find the keys. We told the guests like, hey, here's what happened. Like, we're not comfortable with you staying there tonight because we don't know if this, if this guy's going to come back. Yeah. So we moved that guest to a different property, you know, recleaned the property, had a rekeyed, relocked, moved the lockbox somewhere else. Um, but we were able to catch that because we had the cameras there to show us what happened. Okay, fine. It was me. I've been going around <laughs> staying in all your vacant properties. <laughs> yeah. Breaking into my lockboxes. You know are what? You... I actually, I hacked into your Airbnb account so I can see your uh, 
your view <laughs> as to what's open. open or days open. I just go around yeah. to each other. So did you also leave the, the white residue on, on the counters? <laughs> the baby powder? Yeah, because I put it in my yeah. hair. It's dry shampoo. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I think here's a good question that I don't even know. So this is in your short-term rentals. You're doing this, but... This question is specific to uh, long-term rentals. You're putting it in your lease agreements. So do you know if this uh, is legal? I don't know for sure, but almost every single apartment complex around here has security cameras on the outside. Mm. So Mm -hmm. that's for apartment complexes. I don't know for if there's a difference in the rule as far as it, but you obviously have to disclose that there are um, security cameras on the property. Um, in the one apartment comp- complex, there are security cameras in the hallways too, actually. I, I think the question I would ask uh, Akasha is like, what's your what's your reason for wanting security cameras on a long-term rental? Like if they're gonna be there for you know 12 months, 24 months, a decade, however long long-term tenants are typically there, like what, what reason would you really have to even install security cameras there, right? Um, on the short term side, it makes a ton of sense because you have multiple guests coming in and out on, on a regular basis. But when someone's making this their home, um, like I don't even know if I want to move into a place long term where the landlord has a security camera in the back. Like I would want my <laughs> own security camera if I'm staying there and I'm living there, right? Not not the landlord. So I think I would just question the reason, like what's the motivation behind wanting it for a long term rental? Yeah. And for the apartment complexes, we have it because of there's common areas. Like one of the buildings has a library in it, you know, things like that. And actually we're getting cameras installed on the exterior for the first time on the the dumpster because we're getting people that are dumping in the dumpster. We're getting tenants that are throwing a couch next to the dumpster, shoving it like the dumpsters in an enclosure and they'll literally shove stuff this little tiny area between the enclosure and the dumpster. And then of course we have to hire somebody to come and take that out. And so that is uh, to be able to monitor like common area things. That's Mm -hmm. where we found the use for a security camera. So if you just have a single family home or duplex, um, I mean, maybe if you're having a lot of disputes with uh, the neighbors, your tenants are constantly complaining about the neighbors or, you know, things like that. And you want to see what's really going on is putting up a temporary camera or something. But you'd obviously have to at that point, if they're already in their lease, most likely get permission from the tenant to do that to kind of figure out what's going on. Well, that is it for our questions for today on this week's Rookie Reply. Uh, We are curious how you guys love the new uh, Tuesday, Thursday format. So make sure you leave us a review or you can comment on the YouTube channel. But please go to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a reading and review and let us know about your latest win. And speaking of reviews, I want to give a shout out to someone that just left us a five-star review. And this person said, I love this podcast because it gives me the inspiration to pursue my real estate investing dreams. There's a good spread of expert guests and rookies telling their stories. So again, guys, the more reviews we get, the more folks we can inspire just like this. So like Asha, take a few minutes, leave that rating review, and we definitely would appreciate it. We just might read out on the show as well. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Ashley and he's Tony, and we'll see you guys next time. The 
market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.